Well, what a joy it is to be at uh, Sherwood Baptist Church. I appreciate so much uh, Dr. Michael Catt for uh, the opportunity to come and share with you today. And uh, I serve with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board in the area of evangelism right here in southwest Georgia. And uh, just an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. You know, I was in evangelism for many, many years. And I used to ask people to pray for my family. And I ask you as a church family to remember my family. I have a beautiful bride and her name is Joy. And then I've got two daughters, Brittany Joy and Ashlyn Joy. So I guess you could say today I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. But it is a joy and an honor and a privilege to be here with you today to be able to share of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a true friend or are you just friendly? This morning, I want to talk to you about four men that I believe were good men, moral men, probably friendly men, but they were more than just friendly. I believe we'll find that these four men were what we can call true friends. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to open them and turn with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two, beginning with verse one and concluding today with verse 12. Uh, talking about being a true friend. You know, there's one thing to be friendly and there's another thing to be a true friend. Uh, there's one thing to be a part of a friendly church, but it's another to be a part of a true friend church. So as we look at this, we'll notice that these men were truly friends, friends of those that were in dire need of help. The Bible says, and again, he, which is Jesus, entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noised that he, Jesus, was in the house. Now, I'll be honest with you, dearly beloved, if our church right here is going to continue to grow and prosper with new prospects and new members, it needs to be noised that Jesus is in the house, that God is blessing. And I don't mean just on a yearly basis, but rather on a daily basis. Souls are being saved, lives are being changed, and God is blessing, God is moving right here and uh, Sherwood Baptist Church, and our music department, and our student department, and then with our adults, even our senior adults, that God is blessing. Again, souls are being saved, and lives are being changed. And so the Bible says, and again, he, which is Jesus, entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noised or reported that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. You ask me, Brother Tim, why are there so many people there? And so much there was no room to receive them, not even about the door. Friend, I believe they were there because Jesus Christ was there. I believe they wanted to see Jesus. I believe they wanted to hear Jesus. I believe they wanted to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friends, when lost men and women of our community and students come to our church to worship the Lord, to seek the Lord, to find the Lord, it needs to be noise that he's here and that we are here and we're worshiping him and serving him, but, but they need to see Jesus in and through us and they need to hear Jesus in and through us. Uh, by the way, we sing, how we worship, how we testify, as we pray, as we teach, as we preach, that we do not serve a dead God, but rather our God is alive and he is well and he lives, he resonates in our hearts, he resonates in our souls. And oh, dear friend, I believe when they see Jesus in and through us and they hear Jesus in and through us, many will come down these very aisles to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, the Bible says uh, there in verse three, and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought of four. And when they come not near to him for the press or the crowd, 
they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed in which the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And no doubt that Jesus was concerned about this man's physical being. But more than just his physical being, he was concerned about his spiritual life. Did he know the Lord? Did he have faith in God? And so we realize that Jesus saw their faith and said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning or considering in their hearts, why do this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to, take, or, or to say, arise and take of thy bed and walk, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine own house. And immediately, the Bible says, he arose and took up his bed and went before them all, insomuch they were all amazed, and they glorified God, they honored God, they magnified God, saying, we've never seen it on this fashion. Uh, friends, when we look at the scripture together today, we can look at many different aspects. For instance, we can look how the scribes hated Jesus, how they tried to find fault in Jesus, how they tried to trip him or to trick the Lord Jesus Christ. But as Bible students, we realize that there was no fault. There is no fault. There never will be any fault or any blemish in the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can look how this man that was sick of the palsy, how he must have had an unusual amount of faith. I can imagine he was there laying on that cot and I can imagine someone coming to him and saying, hey, listen, man, you're our friend and, and, and there's a man by the name of Jesus and he's a great teacher and he's done miracles and we might even see a miracle today. I can imagine that uh, he could have said, listen, guys, I appreciate your concern and, and I've had religious leaders come and they have prayed over me and their prayers simply have not not worked and I've had physicians come and they've given me medical uh, attention and the medicines have not worked. I don't believe this one named Jesus can help me either, but uh, this man had faith. I believe he had the kind of faith that if he could get a glimpse of Jesus, that Jesus would in fact heal his body. Maybe reach out and touch a thread of the garment of Christ that Jesus would in fact heal this man's physical condition. But the aspect that I really want to look at today that I mentioned earlier as we began is about the true friends. These four men were good men, friendly men, but more than just being friendly or moral men, these four men are what we call true friends. I believe they were true friends because first of all, they did not minimize his condition. Look with me here at verse two. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word unto them. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought of four. True friends, because they did not minimize his condition. Understand, this man was sick. This man was lame. He had a disease that would attack his nervous system. He was sick of the palsy. He could not walk. He could not crawl. Physically, there was no way for this man to get to Jesus. 
Uh, the only way is if those four men went to him physically and picked him up physically and carried him and, and later made a hold of the roof physically and laid him before the feet of Jesus Christ physically. They were true friends because they did not minimize his condition. You think about it, they could have come up to him and said, hey, uh, Bill, we just want to come by and man, tell you that we love you and, and the church is praying for you. Matter of fact, here's a card. Everybody in the Sunday school class has signed the card. And here's some of my wife's famous uh, chocolate chip cookies. You know, she's got a double chocolate and those things. And we just want to come by and tell you, man, that we love you and we're praying for you and we hope that you'll get much better. Guys, should we tell him what we're going to do today? Guys, we're going down to, to see Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus, the wonderful teacher? He's done many tremendous miracles. Guys, we might even see a miracle today. Hey, listen, buddy, we love you now, and God bless you. And if you feel better, get on up and come on down there with us, and we'll rejoice together. We love you. God bless you. If they would have left that man lying there in that condition, they might have been friendly men. They might have been nice men, but they would have not been true friends. They were true friends because they did not minimize this condition. They realized that the only way this man was going to get to Jesus as if they were needing him or wanting him to get to Jesus was for them to go to him and pick him up and carry him to the Savior. And as men and women of faith, it's imperative that we not minimize the condition of those in our community, those we come in contact with that are lost, that need a relationship with Christ. Oh, dear friend, we need to be willing to go and share and go and tell those that are lost the good news, the gospel, that we've got glorious news that Jesus Christ still loves and he still forgives. And aren't we all glad that Jesus Christ still saves? They were true friends because they did not minimize his condition. And right here where we live in Albany and Leesburg and surrounding areas, there are those that are looking and searching for something to satisfy an emptiness in their life, an emptiness in their heart. And again, we have the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Some are trying drugs, some are trying alcohol, or some are trying uh, uh, affairs, some are trying uh, uh, terrible sinful acts, trying to find something that will satisfy that, that, that drive or that emptiness in their heart. And friend, the only thing that will ever satisfy is Christ. The only thing they'll ever satisfy is when someone comes and they repent of their sin and they ask the Lord for cleansing and forgiveness and trust Jesus Christ to come into their life to be their Lord and to be their Savior. These four men were true friends because they did not minimize this condition. Let me ask you again, are you a true friend or are you just friendly? Well, yes, let's be friendly, but let's be more than just friendly. Let's all be true friends and not minimize the condition of those around us that are lost. But secondly, I know that these four men were true friends, not only because they did not minimize his condition, but secondly, they were true friends because they were willing to work together. Look with me right here at verse three and verse four. The Bible says, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was brought of four. And when they come not near unto him for the press of the crowd, they uncover the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed in which the sick of the palsy lay. Again, the Bible says in verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Thy son, thy sins be forgiven thee. True friends, because they did not minimize his condition. But secondly, they were true friends because they were willing to work together. I understand from seminary days that this man that was sick 
would be laying on a cot, kind of like an old-timey uh, army cot. And uh, that cot would have four corners, and there were four men. Just wonderful how God kind of worked that out. Four men and four corners. Now, I know it never happens here at our fellowship, but, but I wonder what would have happened if one of those men would have said, do you see that right corner? Uh, my name is on that right corner. I've always carried that right corner. And guys, if you don't let me carry the corner that I want to carry, then I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just uh, never, never, never coming back. You I, guys are always picking on me and you never let me do what I want to do and I want to carry the corner that I want to carry. And if you let me carry the corner that I want to carry, then, then I'm going home and I'm going to quit and I'm just never, never, never coming back. You say, Brother Tim, what would have happened? They would have never gotten their friend to Jesus. Oh, they were true friends because they were willing to work together. And as a member of this church, as a child of God, it doesn't matter if you have the right front corner or the back left corner. All that matters as a believer is you've got your hands on the cot and you're involved in the process of bringing lost men and women and young people and children to faith in Jesus Christ. But oh dear friend, if we're going to work together, really work together, we need to communicate. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had the privilege of putting up fence but as I travel southwest Georgia, uh, there's a lot of farmland and there's a lot of pasture and a lot of fence. And if you've ever put up fence, it sure is good to have some helpers. But you got to have, as you have helpers, communication. Because if you don't communicate, the little fence will go over there and over there and over there and over there. And when it's done, it won't do what it's supposed to do. Keep certain things in and keep other things out. Well, folks, if we're going to reach this community... If we're going to reach Albany, if we're going to reach these surrounding areas with the gospel of Christ, it's imperative that we work together. And if we're going to work together, we've got to communicate. And the first one we need to communicate to is who? Our, our pastor? Well, all due respect, no. The first one we need to communicate to is our blessed Lord, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a young preacher, I would really sincerely pray for revival. I'd say, Lord God, send revival and Lord, send in those deacons. And, and Lord, send revival to our Sunday school teachers. And send revival to our teenagers. And, and some of them have long hair. Some of them have short hair. Some of them don't even wear socks to church on Sunday night. And, and, but I failed to pray, Lord God, send revival. But let it begin with me. I believe that's the heart we need to have. That's the prayer that we need to be praying. Lord God, send revival. But Lord, would you let that revival spark in my heart and spark in my life. Lord, send revival to my pastor. Uh, Lord, send revival to our staff. Uh, Lord, send revival to my Sunday school class, to my Sunday school teacher. Uh, Lord, send revival to our choir. Uh, Lord, send revival to our student ministry. Lord, send revival to our children's ministry. Lord, send revival to my church. Lord, send revival to Albany. And Lord, send revival to the communities around here. Send revival to Georgia. Lord, send revival to America, to the world. But would you let that revival begin in my heart, begin in my life? Could you imagine if we would really get serious churches all across southwest Georgia about praying for lost souls, praying that God would empower us to reach the lost for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe we would have a revival that Southwest Georgia has never seen before. And I believe that God would bless that, that we would have a tremendous harvest where literally thousands and thousands of people would be birthed into the family of God. But oh dear friend, not only do we need to communicate to the Lord and communicate to God, Lord, send revival, but let it begin with me. But secondly, we need to communicate to each other. 
We need to encourage each other and challenge each other in the area of sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel of Christ. And, and I want you to know I'm pretty bold. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty strong uh, uh, witness. I, I, I enjoy sharing Jesus. But, but, but sometimes I get intimidated. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit nervous. I, I'll be honest with you. I've been known to go and, and knock on the door and, and in my heart say, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they're not home. And by the way, don't ever do that because when you do that, they're always home. And you know what? You see uh, some uh, big burly guy come to the door and says, what do you want? And you go, man, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry. I think I'm at the wrong house. I'm at the wrong door. I, I think I need to be next door. But then we're reminded what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. But you know, we need to really communicate to one another. We need to pray for one another and, and encourage one another in our witness. Now maybe we need to have friends that will hold us to an accountability of sharing Jesus, that will ask us those questions. Hey, at work, have you had the privilege to share Jesus? At school, have you had the opportunity to, to tell somebody about the love of God? Out there on the football field, have you been able to win any of your friends to faith in Christ we need some accountability, but we need those that will pray for us as we pray for others. In other words, we need to say, hey, listen, I'll pray for you, and, and man, I appreciate if you would pray for me. Matter of fact, listen, let's go on a Tuesday night, and, and we'll take my car one week, we'll take your truck the next, and, and we'll go with a card in one hand and a Bible in the other, and, and we'll go and knock on a door or see a, a, a guest that visited our church, or, or, or we'll brag on the Lord, and you, you share what Christ has done for you, and I'll share what Christ has done for me. And together with the Holy Spirit empowering us that we might share Jesus and that we might see that person come to faith in Jesus Christ. They were true friends because of the fact that they were willing to work together. And again, if we're going to work together, we need to communicate, Lord God, send revival, but let it begin with me. We need to communicate to one another and challenge one another and pray for one another. But, but thirdly, we need to communicate to the lost person that hell is real and that hell is no joke, but that we do have glorious news that Jesus Christ still loves, he still forgives, and that Jesus Christ still saves. You know, there's no greater joy in this world other than being saved yourself than seeing someone else birthed into the family of God. I want you to know right here where we live in, in Albany and Leesburg and surrounding areas, there are beautiful, beautiful homes, million-dollar homes. But, you know, I've been in areas where there are apartments and uh, there are trailers and single-wide, double-wide, quadruple-wide trailers. They're, they're very modest homes, and there are also areas that, uh, that uh, it would be very difficult to even almost call that a, a house anymore. It has so deteriorated. And yet there are men and women and young people and even children that live in all these different type of circumstances. And yet again, they need Jesus. Those that are rich and famous need the Lord. Those that, uh, that are maybe down and out, that are struggling, they also need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, as you go and you knock on that door, and I've been there, 
Well, I've got a friend and you see a guy, a big burly guy, bigger than me. And if you're bigger than me, you're kind of big, you know. And, and, and he comes to the door, has a, t- a green t-shirt on. It says, you know, Marines on it. And he has tattoos on his arms. And when he flexes his muscles, they still jiggle up and down. And he goes, yeah, guys, what do you want? What can I do for you? Well, man, we're, we're from the church down the road. And, and we just want to come by and share some, some good news. Good news. How much is this good news? No, 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 sir. It's free to you, but it costs my best friend. It cost my best friend everything. It cost him his life. For some reason that grabs his attention. He says, guys, why don't y'all just come on in and you walk in there and you don't know really if you want to go in there or not. You you see a woman over there that's been abused either physically or at least maybe emotionally. You, You see a little boy, little girl, maybe they're smelly or hungry or dirty and and you see that man, he takes that beer and he, and he kind of puts it to the side. He, he takes that cigarette and he stomps it out. And for some reason, he takes the remote and he turns the television off. And he says, what do you guys have for me today? What's, what's the good news today? And all of a sudden, you share uh, your faith. You share maybe the Romans Road or you share your testimony or, or, or you share no sweat evangelism you share uh, the gospel, the good news, and that, that, that we've all sinned and that we need God's forgiveness and that Jesus came and he, he died on the cross for the sins of this world, but not only died, but he was gloriously risen from the grave and that he's alive and that he's well. And now that he has ascended into the glories of heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father and that all can be forgiven and all can be saved if they'll truly trust Jesus Christ for cleansing and repent of their sin and trust him to come into their life to be their Lord and to be their Savior. You say, sir, wouldn't you like to know Jesus as your Savior? Like me and my friend knows Jesus as our Savior. The big old guy gets up. You don't know what you ought to do. Run, duck, get on your knees, cry out for mercy. He says, I need what you boys are talking about. I've been waiting for somebody to come to my house. I've been waiting for somebody to come to my apartment. I need what you boys are talking about. I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see that man get down on his knees in front of that couch and his wife gets beside him and they begin to weep and cry as they pray, Lord God, we're sinners and we cannot save ourselves. Lord, cleanse us and forgive us. Come into our lives. Come into my, my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. And that little boy, that little girl behind their mom's feet and dad's feet, they don't know what's going on, but they know this. They're about to get a brand new mama and a brand new daddy. Why? Because mama and daddy just got saved. Mom and dad just found the Lord. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, there's no greater joy in this world other than being saved yourself than seeing someone confess their sins and put their faith in Christ Jesus to become a part of the family, to become a child of God. Oh, these four men were true friends because they did not minimize this condition. Are you a true friend? These four men were true friends because they were willing to work together. Are you a true friend? Are you willing to work together? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to encourage? Are you willing to go and proclaim the gospel and share the gospel in our community right here where we live? Yes, around the world, but where we live every day, share the gospel with those that are in great need of of Christ, great need of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But lastly... These four men were true friends because they were willing to do the unusual. Willing to do the unusual. We read here in verse 4, And, they, uh, uh, and when they came uh, not unto him for the press and the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, 
They let down the bed in which the sick of the palsy lay. Again, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know, I wonder what would have happened as those men were carrying that one man to Jesus. As if every time they came up to a muddy puddle of water, if they'd have had to stop and vote. Now, now, you say, Brother Tim, you don't believe in democracy? Well, we just had a big vote, and we've had other votes, and, and if the Lord tarries, we'll have many more votes. But yes, I believe in voting, but what would have happened if, if they would have come up to a muddy puddle of water and said, are we going to go around this muddy puddle of water the, the right way, or, or are we going to go around this muddy puddle of water the, the left way, or, 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 or guys, are we just going to go right through this muddy puddle of water? Again, you can be certain that Satan would have had 5,000 muddy puddles of water. Folks, I believe when they picked their friend up, they voted. They voted in one accord as, as men. We're going to, to love our friend. We're going to help our friend. We're going to get the help that he needs, and that comes from Jesus. We're going to get our friend to Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, I tell you, I don't know all the uh, uh, covenants and all the uh, all the uh, paperwork of, of the churches that maybe you're a, a member of, but somewhere in that constitution or somewhere in those documents, it talks about sharing Christ and building champions, building people to be witnesses and godly men and women that will make a great impact in their community. By the way, it could have been 100 years ago or maybe longer where churches made those commitments and decisions. It's already been voted on. Let's get busy doing it, reaching those that are lost in our communities where we live. I can imagine uh, those guys carrying that guy to Jesus, trying to get through the door. Can't get through the door too many people. And by the way, that's the way it is around here a lot of times at uh, Sherwood Baptist Church. But, but other churches, man, it ought to be packed out. And people always say, well, why do I need to get down there early? Is it because of the music? Well, the music's great. Is it because of the preaching? Well, the preaching's great. Uh, but it's more than that. Why is everybody down there and worshiping the Lord? Because the Lord is there and he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. God is moving and blessing our fellowship. He is blessing our people of our church, our church family. Oh, dear friend, can you imagine those guys trying to get to the door? Can't get to the door. Can you imagine those guys trying to get through the window and can't even get through the window? I, I hear one of those guys saying, listen, man, I'm tired and I'm hot. And, and, and you know, man, we can't even get this guy to, to Jesus. Listen, let, let's go over here and, and we'll put him underneath this tree. And then when everybody's gone, then we'll get our friend to Jesus. And I hear one of those men say, no, ma'am, no, sir. We've come this far by faith. Guys, we're not about to turn back now. Man, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. We're going to get our friend uh, the help that he needs. We're going to get our friend to the Savior. I can imagine those guys saying, hey, listen, I've got a good idea. Hey, hey listen, let's get a ladder and we'll boost this old boy up there on the roof and we'll get some rope and we'll, we'll, we'll tear a hole in that roof and, and we'll lower him right there in front of the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus will see our friend and he'll do something for our friend. I can imagine those guys getting up there on that roof and I can imagine they begin to rip up that roof of, of mud and grass and sticks and, and I can hear somebody on the, on the floor saying, hey guys, what, what, what are y'all doing up there? Man, we're tearing up this roof. Uh, why are y'all doing that for? Well, we gotta uh, get our friend to Jesus. He's very sick. Well, well why don't y'all use the door? Well, we tried and you were in the way. Uh, try the window. Well, your friends were in the way. Well, you guys are crazy. Y'all are just a bunch of fanatics. That's what you are. 
By the way, if anybody has ever called you a fanatic about Jesus, but they have just paid you an overwhelming compliment. You know, we got all kinds of fanatics. We got Georgia fans. We got Alabama fans. We probably have two or three Georgia Tech fans. And, and uh, we got a few Auburn fans, bless your heart, and, and some Clemson fans. And, and nothing wrong with being a Braves fan. Nothing wrong with being a fan. But, but folks, more than a fan of Jesus, we need to be a follower of Jesus. And a follower of Jesus does the will of the Father, does the will of God that we might be involved in sharing Jesus and bringing those that are lost to faith in Jesus Christ. I can imagine those guys tearing up that roof and making a big old hole in that roof. I can imagine one of those four men saying, hey, now, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. Do you know what we're doing? We're tearing up this roof, and this roof belongs to somebody. And I guarantee you this roof costs a whole lot of, a whole lot of money, a whole lot of, a whole lot of, a whole lot of money. I can imagine one of those men saying, listen, I don't care if I have to pay for this roof or pay to put a brand new roof on this house. Fellas, I don't have a lot of money, but I don't care if I have to buy the house. My friend needs Jesus, and I love my friend, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get my friend the help he needs to get my friend to Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Tim, didn't you learn in seminary that the gospel is free? Uh, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, I did. But an old-timey preacher said the gospel is free, but it always costs something to pump the gospel to those that need it. Understand, water's free, but, but it costs something to pump it in the house. It costs something to purify it. It costs something to make it where you can use it. Oh, dear friend, the gospel, the good news is free, but again, it costs our Savior his life. It costs our Heavenly Father uh, giving his own son Jesus to die on Calvary's cross and then been risen from the grave. Oh, dear friend, it always cost something. Oh, dear friend, they were true friends because they were willing to not minimize this condition. They were true friends because they were willing to work together. They were true friends because they were willing to do the unusual. I ask you today, are you willing to do the unusual? Are you willing to be creative and innovative to, to reach outside uh, uh, maybe the walls of your life and, and to share the gospel with those that you come in contact with? How about your friends? You say, well, Tim, I, I, maybe I've hurt my testimony. I, 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 I've been in front of my friends and they've seen my, 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 my uh, negativity and they, uh, they've seen the way maybe I, I deal with issues or, I, or even the way I talk and I've, I've hurt my testimony. I would love to be a witness, but I find it very difficult to witness to my friends and family. Can I just encourage you to be honest with your family and friends? And just simply say, hey guys, something's happened to me that has rocked my world, has changed my life. And you guys know me well, and you've seen the change that has taken place in me. And I just want to say that I, I, I'm embarrassed, and I'm sorry that I've not shared this before, but can I share with you for a few moments something that means so much to me? A good friend, a good family member is not going to say, no, you can't share. They're probably going to sit down and say, hey man, tell me what's going on. I want to hear I want to hear what's going on in your life. And then just share the gospel. Share what Christ has done in your life. How he has changed your life and changing your life. And how they can know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. But you know, there's a lot of reasons why people do not share Jesus. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons. I, I think sometimes negative thoughts get in our 
uh, thought processes. And sometimes we say, well, I can't do that. I'm, I, I'm not a professor. I'm not a, a Bible scholar. I'm not even a Sunday school teacher. How can I brag on Jesus? I, I do not have the, the ability to do that. And you're right. You cannot do that except for Christ Jesus living and dwelling and empowering you. You can do that in Christ Jesus. But you know, there's other reasons that people do not share their faith. And uh, let me mention one last reason. It's hard to share Jesus. It's hard to share your faith if you don't have anything to share, if you don't have faith to share. I ask you this morning, has there ever been a time in your life where you have really come clean with the Lord? Just talk to the Lord and say, Lord God, I, I, I am a sinner. Uh, maybe I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank, but I've lied. I've cheated. I've hated. I've coveted it. I've said ugly words. God, cleanse me and forgive me for my sin. Can I just tell you what a blessing it is to know that God is powerful enough to forgive us of our sins, but not only forgive us, but to cleanse us of our sins. See, you and I could get in a basketball game and, and uh, you might could foul me or I'll foul you and, and we get in a little, uh, a little tiff and, and the next day we'd be out there playing basketball and I could forgive you and you could forgive me, but I can't cleanse you and you can't cleanse me, but a holy father, a, a, a sweet savior has the power to forgive and to cleanse. And then have you ever by faith trusted him? Just simply by faith trusted him. The Bible says, uh, for, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. Has there ever been a time when you say, Lord God, cleanse me, forgive me, but come into my life. Jesus, come into me. And Lord, I trust you by faith to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Cleanse me and wash me, but save me. And then, Lord, help me to live a life that's committed and surrendered to you. Have you ever truly been saved? If you have, man, I'll see you in glory. But if you haven't, no greater day than today to simply put your faith and trust in him. Would it be okay right now for me just to pray for you? I would like to pray for you that right there where you're seated, maybe in your den or, or maybe on your back porch or maybe at your kitchen table where you could just simply pray with me. But in a moment, pray and ask the Lord for cleansing and forgiveness and ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. Let me pray for you, but then let me just voice a simple prayer where you can pray and invite and trust Jesus Christ to be your Lord and to be your Savior. Now, before I pray, let me say this. The prayer doesn't save anybody, but the one we pray to, and his name is Jesus, does the saving. But we communicate through words, and we call that prayer as we talk to the Lord. And so let me pray for you right now. Join me, would you do that? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity. Lord, just to share a challenging word about being a witness, about being a soul winner, really about being a true friend. God, help us to be men of God that are faithful in our witness. But Lord, there are those that are listening this day. And they're sitting there saying, you know, it's hard for me to witness because I don't really have anything to witness about. Lord, I know you love them. I know you died on the cross for them. I, I know you rose from the grave for them. I know you want to save them, and I know you will. But Lord, they've got to ask you and trust you and want you to come into their life to be their Lord, to be their Savior. Lord, I pray they'll do that today, right now, by faith in a moment. Just call upon your name, the name Jesus. And that name means Savior to ask you to come into their life to be their Lord, to be their Savior. Lord, we'll rejoice. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. 
for their decision and commitment to the Lord today. Would you just pray with me? Right there where you're sitting, just pray. Just say, Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for loving me. And by the way, he proved that love on on the cross when he died for you and died for me. And then would you thank him, say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, but Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, and forgive me for all my sin. Jesus, I cannot save myself. By faith, I ask you, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, save me from hell and save me to heaven. Just pray that, Jesus, I love you. I know you love me. Jesus, I I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. God, please forgive me for my sin. A word we use, repent. I'm very sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. Jesus Christ, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. And friend, if you prayed that this morning, would you just thank him? Just say, Jesus, thank you for your love and thank you for your forgiveness. And Jesus, thank you for saving me here today. If you prayed with me just a moment ago, I want to encourage you to let uh, the family here and let our staff at Sherwood Baptist Church know that today is the day of salvation for you. You can call or maybe you can uh, email or text or, or even make note even on this program that today you have prayed with Brother Tim and you ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness and you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. We want to know about that. We want to rejoice with you about that. And we want to pray for you. So I encourage you to please do that. Those that are members of this fellowship, those that are believers, those that I've been preaching to today about being a witness, a true friend, I encourage you to share Jesus. No greater time than now and probably the last 20 years, no better time than today, now, and this time of our country's uh, situation to brag on the Savior, to tell others about the Lord, and to uh, share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, church family. Thank you, pastor, for the privilege to share uh, this message from your pulpit. We're praying for you uh, that God will continue to touch you physically, emotionally, and as always, spiritually. Thank you, staff, for all you do in loving our folks and helping be a part of reaching this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. May you have a blessed day.